Hi, I'm Mel Majoros. I am a three-year cancer survivor. My blog, The Cancer Warrior, is one of the top ten breast cancer blogs according to blogs.com. I'm here to bring a fresh, upbeat perspective to a topic that to some may seem scary. A positive mental attitude got me through my cancer, and I hope to share that with you. Today we're talking complementary therapy with Anne Fonfa. She's a cancer survivor. How are you today, Anne? I'm really well, thank you. Excellent. So I want to jump right in. And uh, I know you have this amazing conference going on in March in West Palm Beach. And I'm very jealous that, one, I won't be able to go to it. And two, it's in West Palm Beach. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in, in just a minute. Uh, why don't you do like we usually do. Uh, tell me how you found out you had cancer. Well, I used to do monthly breast self-exams. Mm-hmm. And I was um, I always had a lump, as most women do, in one of my breasts. Mm-hmm. And then the other breast had a little something. It was like a callus. And I showed it to my friend who did acupuncture, and she said, why don't you show it to your doctor? <laughs> so I went, <laughs> I went to, I lived in New York City, and they had a place where I had gotten a mammogram or two. I was 44 at the time. Okay. And uh, they went crazy. And they said, oh, you have to send you to a surgeon. And they sent me to a surgeon, and I knew so little about anything like that. I'd never been in any kind of medical situation of import. And so I thought he was my doctor, and I uh, didn't understand that I could choose. <laughs> yeah. Really and, uh, and I, you know, I, I, there were things that he forgot to tell me. Oh. And he never. I, I was. I had breast. You know, breast cancer. I was diagnosed with. And he said, um, "Well, if you have breast cancer, we're going to do a lumpectomy, and uh, you know, you'll be done." And I knew that they could take your breast or not. So I thought, oh, "Okay, great. I'll get my breast. I'll keep my breast. That's okay." And I didn't really ask any questions. And I just went ahead. And also, they told me surgery was on Monday, and this was a Thursday. So I heard, "Oh, oh. boy, do you really have deep, serious cancer, and you're about to die." So, you know, and I didn't even know to say, do I have terrible cancer or am I imagining it? Because I just thought, since it was such a rush, rush thing, that it was very serious. Right. In addition to that, as so many people with cancer have had the same kind of thing, people went out of their way to tell me about their own next-door neighbor's <laughs> yes. cousin's friend, but she died. Oh, yeah, my coworker's daughter's sister, but she died. And exactly. I absolutely thought going in, I was going to die. What, was your, what were you staged at? Did they even tell you that? <clears throat> well, that's the joke of it all. I never had a biopsy, so I didn't know until it was all over what was going on. Wow. And it turned out that I was, it was stage one, and it was fairly mm-hmm. slow-growing. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, that was uh, to come later. And, and the joke of that, for me, um, I, what I found was one very important thing. Because the night before the surgery, and I had been, you know, absolutely positive it was my last night on earth, <laughs> and this woman called me, and she said, you know, I'm a 10-year survivor. Nice. And I was like, wow, ten, I can do that? You know, it just changed my entire outlook to know that someone had survived because right. until that moment, I honestly had no idea, you know, that anyone lived through it. I didn't know anybody. I was fairly young, you know, I was 44 years old, and mm-hmm. so it changed my life. And it gave me a little a little look into the idea of mind-body because there I was with this total change. Mm-hmm. I was completely happy, and I thought I would survive. Now my worry was, you know, was more my husband or my mother going to fight it out in the waiting room? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> So, but uh, of course they didn't. But you know, I was. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. I bet they did. You're yeah, well, they tell me that. Did, but luckily they didn't tell me, so it was okay. Yeah, but you know, it was one of those experiences that really opened my eyes to the idea that there was value of, um, you know, in the in the world of the mind, body, spirit, and I started out that way, so that helped a lot. But right. you know. The, the issue for me was I am chemically sensitive, and back then I was ferociously, insanely 
allergic to everything. I mean, oh. everything made me react. It was uh, carpeting, paint, um, printed material. Um, Why was that? Do they this, know? Uh, no, no one knows. But, you know, my immune system basically was just going haywire. There's mm-hmm. lots of autoimmune issues nowadays. Back right. then it was very unusual, and it was just horrible. And I, you know, I... I went in to see an oncologist, and I knew that I had slow-growing cancer. By then, I'd learned a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to me, we'll start you on chemo next week. And I said, you know, I have this problem. I'm chemically sent. He said, oh, it doesn't matter. And I said, no, wait, wait, wait. It you doesn't hear it. matter. And I started to, yeah, it was very, very short. He didn't want to hear anything. And so I said, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not comfortable. And I left. And I decided not to do chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. But when I went to the support group, you know, there was a lot of very upset women. And they were upset with me, and they said, but you have to do something. And I said, oh, I'm sure there's an alternative. <laughs> and I heard that, and I said, oh, alternative medicine. I've heard of that. I, I, I think <laughs> I'll find out what that is. So that's what I did. Oh. And now it is uh, almost, I'm in the 19th year after diagnosis, Excellent. and now I've been looking into alternative medicine all these years. And eventually I saw, wow, I have a lot of stuff. You know, I have a lot of information. I think I should share it with the world. And so I started a study group in New York, and we looked at what we called hold health, whole health. Mm-hmm. And um, it all grew from there. The cancer care group in New York City asked me if I would talk to their social workers about what alternative medicine was. And we didn't have complementary medicine back there. It was only called alternative. So you had no choice for what you were uh, dealing with. And, um, and I got a lot of information. And then I was carrying it around. <laughs> it was very heavy. You know, papers, papers weigh a lot. I was lucky in one sense. I worked for a company that produced business presentations. Oh, there so you they go. were happy to create for me anything I wanted. And they made, you know, 50 copies, 100 copies, 200 copies. It kept getting bigger and bigger. But I was carrying it around to breast cancer <laughs> meetings right. in Washington. And it, we didn't, you know, back then, I also have to say, I feel like the oldest person on earth, but we didn't have rolling suitcases either. Really? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was yeah. really hard to carry things around. Well, before you get to that, what what kind of therapies are we talking about? You didn't do chemo, so what? Well, right. So I did a bunch of different things. The first Mm -hmm. thing I did was something called metabolic enzyme therapy, which was practiced by a guy named Jack Taylor and several other uh, practitioners, most notably Nick Gonzalez in New York City, but I didn't go to him. And um, what it meant was a strong concentration of alkaline rather than acid food, and that, mm-hmm. that means mostly fruits and vegetables. Okay. But ironically, you know, I had been a non-meat eater. I, I hesitate to say that I was a vegetarian because what I discovered about myself was, in, in really looking it over, I didn't eat meat, but I really wasn't eating healthy. I was barely eating fruits and vegetables because oh, yeah. I traveled for business, and, you know, you really couldn't get anything decent. So I would have a baked potato and no butter and no cheese <laughs> and a salad that was very bland and mainstream and, was, right. you know... Not very good uh, tomato, iceberg lettuce, and mm-hmm. uh, that was my, you know, that was my meal. So I wasn't really getting very many nutrients, and that, of course, is the key in my mind to failing the cancer thing. You know, you just your body just is desperate for nutrients, and you're not giving them. Right. So that was a problem. <laughs> so that was one. Did you did you have multiple? Well, yeah. See, I began to have recurrences pretty mm-hmm. quickly. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't had um, radiation therapy either. Mm-hmm. I decided because it was on the left side, because I had a very big chest, because they were going to radiate a huge area, I decided not to get radiation. And at the time, there was a study that had been done comparing lumpectomy 
with and without radiation to mastectomy. And it was the original study that was trying to determine if it was safe to have a lumpectomy instead of a mastectomy. They actually had these two arms. One had radiation, one didn't. And both arms at that time had just about the same survival. So I thought if it doesn't impact survival, you know, I really don't want to do it. And uh, and here, this, my my partner said to me, you know, are you making a political decision or <laughs> a medical decision? And right. yeah, I wasn't 100% sure. So I went and talked to them and really sat down. And I felt the size of the area they wanted to radiate was just like my whole left side from my waist to my clavicle. And wow. I just couldn't do it. So, I, you know, I didn't. And, uh, and of course, I never expected that it would recur. I thought right. I was cured, more or less, from the surgery. But it recurred. Mm-hmm. And it recurred in less than two years. And one thing that I knew was that, you know, that wasn't good. Right. <laughs> so, so I was pretty nervous. But I stuck to my guns. And I started to do um, a bunch of... I went to Mexico. I did a Gerson program down there. And I came home, and for 18 months, I followed the Gerson program. Now, everything that I'm talking about, by the way, is on our website at okay. anyappleseedproject.org, so people can see more about it. And, um, well, explain and, just briefly what okay, so the Gerson, Gerson was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gerson was a lot of uh, vegetable juices okay. every day and some, uh, some work with uh, liver. And um, it was kind of... You know, it was mostly no protein for the first um, six weeks, okay. and sort of like a cleanse. Was, it's not kind of yeah, like a yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was it was interesting. There were a lot of things going on. And what what happened for me was the candida that I had also had along with my my um, you know the yeast infection along mm-hmm. with my problems with chemical sensitivity began to get better. Oh. So instead of being um, you know having this systemic candida, it was getting better basically before my eyes. But when I went home. I experienced more cancer, and um, it began to um, recur more rapidly. You know, I had, I was having the tumor removed, and then I would have another one or two or three, and I was ha- had a bunch at a time. So I had a mastectomy, mm-hmm. and um, this is all over, you know, a period of a couple of years. And then shortly after that, I had cancer on the um, chest wall, and now oh. they tell me I'm stage four. Oh, my gosh. So that was weird. I didn't think I should be stage four because I had no other disease. Right. And um, so then I decided to do high-dose vitamin A. And I, that was kind of a, one of those serendipitous things where quite a few uh, different pieces of information came together to make me think that it sounded like a good idea. Uh, there was someone from the clinic in Mexico I'd been talking about it to, somebody in, in New York at the Valhalla Medical College or, and... Um, and someone else. And I decided to try that. And it was funny because I bought a bottle of vitamin A pills off the shelf mm-hmm. at, a, you know, at a health food store or whatever. And um, three weeks later, I start to see that the tumor's going down. Oh, sweet. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I went to the person, the oncologist, who was at that time um, doing my blood work. And apparently he wasn't interested because he told me to get dressed. And he didn't oh. look at it, he didn't measure it, he didn't palpate it, nothing happened. And I was kind of shocked because I thought I was, had a miracle going, you know, <laughs> something amazing. And uh, so then I called my girlfriend, who was a, like a long-term survivor at that time, and she had done mistletoe shots when she was first diagnosed. And, uh, and I made her measure it, you know, and keep track of it. Mm-hmm. And so she did that for me. And it was, in, in fact, reducing. And it was reducing really before our eyes. But it never went to zero. It was kind of like I, I compared it in my mind to the way we think about the half-life of um, nuclear waste. You know, mm-hmm. it's always there right. going half of the half of the half. And that was what was happening for me. It kept getting smaller, but it was always there. 
and um, eventually I had it removed, and my surgeon, who I was pretty friendly with by this time, I had a different surgeon than the first guy, because he just... He had never told me when I developed lymphedema. He never mentioned it, and I felt that was a pretty oh. important thing to fail yeah. to mention. So, um, well, what anyway, did, what did your yeah. doctors think of your doing the uh, complement now complementary? Then it'd be called alternative medicine. Well, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have anyone follow me except the surgeon, and mm-hmm. she was fairly liberal, okay. and she, you know, she was feeling okay about it. I note that I was giving her documentation of what I was doing based right. on research I'd done and sharing it with her. But, I mean, I have to say that once upon once I saw my own file, and really it, she wasn't sharing it with anybody. I just had this huge file, you know, and it was, <laughs> yes. it was kind of my file had a lot of stuff in it. So th- that's typical of the way things go. You know, I thought I was making progress, and, and she was just, you know, kind of humoring me, I guess. But she was nice <laughs> about it. <laughs> and uh, so then eventually, you know, what happened was we had it, the tumor removed, and I wanted it to be studied, and she said it was very well differentiated which is something you want. Mm -hmm. It had very few live cancer cells, mostly dead. And uh, the ER and PR, I don't know if you know about that. Yes. Okay, so that was much, much, much higher than it had originally been. Oh. And so it was like a a success story. And, I, you know, I knew that things were better. And at that time, I was thrilled. However, I had a new tumor that developed right away. Oh, my goodness. So... Now, she said, anytime we take a tumor off, we're going to have to have plastic surgeon in the room. And I really didn't want that because of my chemical sensitivity. Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's all these limitations of what they call the comorbidities. So this time I started using my Taki mushroom extract, and that also reduced the tumor, and I was really happy. <laughs> and I was getting another tumor at the same time. So I finally was at the San Antonio Breast Cancer Symposium in, I want to say, 1998, and a gentleman came up to me. He was a Chinese uh, herbalist and had a Ph.D. from Harvard in biostatistics. And he said, I've been treating some women with herbs, and I would love to treat you. Oh, nice. And I, and I was nervous, so I didn't do it. And then in April, I decided, because it just wouldn't go away, that I would call him. And so I called him, and he agreed to treat me. And I started doing the herbs um, and. It was very, very interesting because within one, uh, within 10 minutes, I had this huge hive, my whole body. <laughs> oh, no. My whole body was a hive, and I was 100% freaked out. And I, oh, um, yes. you know, yeah. So I didn't want to call him because I thought <laughs> I was just crazy. And my friend who does acupuncture remembered that she's the one who helped me get the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. She wasn't around. So oh, no. I called my regular doctor, and I went to a regular dermatologist. And this regular dermatologist gave me the usual kind of thing, the antihistamines, and yes. and I took them. And one was for the daytime and one was for the nighttime. So when I um, I went to bed and then I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't breathe. And I had said to her when she and I were meeting, you know, I have had a double mastectomy and that's, uh, you know, it's a pretty funny situation. And she said, oh, I know all about it. So we didn't have a first <laughs> conversation, and she knew all about it, so uh, that was good. You know, she knew all about it. And then um, I wake up in the middle of the night, and my chest is so tight, I can't breathe. And now I'm thinking in my usual paranoid way, oh, I'm <laughs> dying, and should I wake up my partner and say goodbye, or should I wait till the very last minute because why upset him? You know, it's not right. <laughs> I sat there and thought I was right. for a while. But then, if, of course, I didn't die. I called my friend, and she read me from the PDF, the, the Physician's Reference Guide of what yes. was going on. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, the number one unwanted wanted effect, sometimes called side effects, but I don't call it that, mm-hmm. of um, this antihistamine is chest tightening. 
Oh, that's I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm pissed because I had a conversation with the doctor. Nobody told me that. Right. The journalist, the pharmacist didn't, she didn't. So I called the doctor and I said, you know, th- th- this isn't right. Why didn't you tell me? And she said, well, how am I supposed to know? Uh, uh-oh, you know, how because, she's supposed to know. So nobody that. knows. So that wasn't very good. However, mm-hmm. um, three days later, that disappeared. And what I noticed and what has continued to this day, my chemical sensitivity almost it disappeared by what I characterize as 65% less problem, wow. which was astounding. And the entire way that I experienced it changed. So that was really astounding because instead of it being this knife that used to go through my head and I would be sick for a week after an exposure, mm-hmm. I'd have to be in bed in a you know, clean environment. Now I had like a half hour of um, discomfort. My, I had to clear my throat, but I wasn't choking or anything like that. I just had like extra mucus in my throat. Oh. So everything changed. And I realized slowly that <laughs> it was the herbs. Yes. So I now decided I should take them again. And uh, so then I started up again and had an MRI, which showed that I had this area of involvement of the chest wall. You know, now I'm stage four with the chest wall. Right. And I, I just proceeded over time to have no more tumors. They mm. all disappeared. Wow. And everything, yeah, everything just got great. And that was the last time that I had the, an MRI at the end was in September of 2001. Now, ironically, I lived in New York City. So <laughs> yes. My assignment, uh, my my date to meet my doc was September 12th, 2001. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that was really crazy. There were no buses, no transportation, but the hospital said, yes, come down. We're going to see you. Wow. So I went down there, and my doctor told me what I already knew, but, you know, you want your doctor to tell you. Well, she yes, said, of course. You're free of, of cancer. We can't find anything on awesome. the MRI. So I'm free of cancer for the first time in maybe five years, and, uh, you know, it's pretty strong. And she says, maybe we'll announce it because everyone's so unhappy here, you know, could we announce it? I say, yeah, sure, you know, so they announce it, loudspeaker, we have a patient who's free of cancer, it's very exciting. And then I leave, and I go outside, and I start to cry because it occurs to me that, holy cow, you know, I'm free of cancer. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I'm going to be amazingly okay. And people rush up to me because it's on the street, we can see the plume of smoke, you know, it was down 7th Avenue, and mm-hmm. I was on 15th Street. It was only a mile away or less than a mile away. And everyone's hugging me and telling me it's going to be okay. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, I'm going to live. I'm going to live. <laughs> and now, you know, it was just so wild, so bizarre. That's crazy. And, yes, and since then, uh, I have never had another cancer tumor. And wow. I am what they call no discernible disease. And the yes. reason I have that diagnosis is because I didn't have chemo radiation. They won't give me a standard um, diagnosis. So I have NDD, no disability. Not NDD, not not NED. Not NED, right. However, Mm. I don't care. (laughs) I got no disease and I'm good. And I haven't had, you know, anything. So the Chinese herbs were amazing for me. I mean, they really, truly worked. Yeah. And this guy has had great results for lots of people. And that's what's truly amazing. And in fact, in reference to the conference that you mentioned, he will be at our conference. He comes every year and he devotes his time to giving people free consults at our conference, which is super nice of him. So uh, how did you go from all of, you know, all of this? When did you start your uh, Any Appleseed project? So, you know, Harry was, as I said, schlepping stuff around, and mm-hmm. then eventually someone said, why don't you get a website? So I did. And then I thought, if I have a website, I should have an organization. <laughs> right. When was, now what year was this? 
um, well, the organization was actually put together in 2003, so it was quite a while after the website went up because okay. that went up in 99. Okay. But I decided that, you know, we really needed to be an organization because we had something. And eventually, I mean, the website turned into 8,000 pages of information, so it really oh. got big and important. And we now get 90,000 hits a month. So, I mean, it's a very, very popular site because it provides information that isn't really available in, in too many places, which is, uh, you know, an indictment of our circumstances, but it's the reality. Right. And uh, so we, we give people, what we, what we say, one of our slogans is make a more informed decision. And the way that people do that is because they're getting information that is not everywhere available, but it's reliable, it's meaningful, it comes a lot from journals and right. um, conferences and things like that. But because we're, you know, we're people, we, we took... I took a leap of faith. A lot of the people who, um, you know, volunteer with us have done that, too, doing things that are not very well studied. And why are they not very well studied? Well, the system basically blocks that because it's very, very expensive to do a clinical trial. And generally speaking, the only people, the only companies, almost corporate corporate citizens, right. the only people <laughs> yes. who can afford to do it are the, are the you know, the pharmaceutical industry. And, um, and so it's kind of a a closed shop. They're, they do the research and the things they want to research, as they've told me. Well, Anne, we can't patent that. You know, I say, but what if it's nutrition? What if it's, and they say, Anne, we can't patent that. You know, so there's no interest. And I have oh. said repeatedly, and I say to you, why should that determine the story? Right, exactly. It's crazy. I mean, what, if it, what if it cures people? Well, that's yeah. right. So it's not right that the decision should be made on a business decision when it's our lives. Right. So the Annie Appleseed Project is out there, even though we have almost no money and we manage on nothing. We, we live on air, but that's okay. <laughs> and our goal is, yeah, I'm <laughs> almost not kidding. But we, well, I, I you know. know. We, I've, I've talked to a lot of survivors who have organizations, and it's, you know, it's pretty right. amazing what you guys do with just volunteers and yeah, and that's it. We designed ourselves as a volunteer organization. We don't have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an office, which is good, keeps our expenses down. Right. And our goal is to just provide that information on a constant basis and give people options. And that's really important. And then, you know, also, we have a huge section that discusses the things that people can do during conventional treatment because nice. I'm not opposed to conventional treatment. It just right. wasn't right for me because mm-hmm. of my particular circumstance. But most people are going to do conventional stuff, and that's okay. But everyone should have complementary therapy, and that's why I'm so happy that there is complementary medicine now, and that is things that are well acknowledged. I mean, a classic example is in, in all those years ago when I was diagnosed, my original surgeon said to me, yoga? Are you crazy? You know, <laughs> yes. Because it was crazy back then, mm-hmm. but it ain't so crazy anymore. Or Pilates. I, means- I do... Uh- Pilates, they right. have the Pinky Ribbon Program mm-hmm. for Pilates uh, for breast cancer survivors. I think survivors. it's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And things have changed. And now we recognize, yeah, it's a great idea, you know. And, and acupuncture is a good mm-hmm. idea. Massage. And, mm-hmm. and massage. And, you know, there's so many things that have been recognized. And if, I, if it was up to me, every single person doing conventional treatment of chemotherapy, radiation therapy, even surgery, would have massage, would have an acupuncture treatment, mm-hmm. or, or many, you know, yes. would have um, yoga classes, and many of them do, luckily. And, you know, all of those things, because I think all of them help people to feel better, and that's the key thing, and to reduce the unwanted effects. I mean, we can pretend all we want that the drugs really help, but they don't really help for many people. No. I, I mean, the excuse me, the supportive care drugs. You know, it, it's fine to give people a pill if they're um, having nausea, but it doesn't always work. Right. And for those people, we now know from studies that ginger really works. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell people who come to our site, try ginger. 
you know, it's available. And don't buy ginger ale because that's not real ginger. <laughs> you need actual ginger. Right. You know, those things are ginger flavor. It's not the same thing. But, in fact, um, you know, there are many, many things that people can do. And on our site, we have that information. And they've been studied. They just have not gone through randomized multi-center clinical trial. And they never will. Right. So waiting not. for that to happen is not appropriate. We have to make a decision with the information we now have. And, and that information is, you know, it's not top of the line, but it's very reliable because there's an excess of it, and that's really important. So how did you get the people that you, all your uh, experts, did you call them up, like, for the first one? Was it, did you have a hard time getting people to be your, uh, sorry, well, came up with, you know what I'm saying? We're a grassroots organization, mm-hmm. so we don't, you know, we don't work with doctors per se, but right. I have a lot of people that I know over the years mm-hmm. whom I've met at meetings. And they want to help people. Everybody does. So I will just simply ask. I call them, you know, they're sort of an an advisory board, but it's not so official as all that. We have some people who are sort of officially. But mostly we call and we say, look, do you have, or we email mostly. We're very strong in email. You know, do you have any ideas for this person? Do you have a thought on this? And when we, what we do, and this is a strong thing that we do, we send advocates to meetings. We call ourselves Advocate Press because we list a conference and we send people to the conference to re- report on what was discussed. Mm-hmm. So at, on our site, we have very, very authentic information that comes directly from the conferences that are all different types. And we also like to raise issues. You know, we like to say at the meeting, um, have you thought about this? Did you think about that? You know, because um, it's become more common for patient advocates to be involved in making decisions. But it didn't used to be. It used right. to be that the decisions were made around us. But now we're part of that, and we, the Annapolis Project, have been part of that because we've always stood up at meetings and said, well, think about this. You know, what do you think about that? And that has been an important action for us. You know, we've made ourselves a valuable partner. Excellent. So tell me more about your conference that's going on uh, in March. Okay, so what happened was Mm -hmm. um, this is our fourth conference, and four years ago, we were um, encouraged to have a conference and bring in Dr. Keith Block, who practices integrative oncology in Illinois. So that was our, our idea, and it was just going to be a one-time thing. But we brought in speakers, and it was the easiest thing in the world to get speakers because there were so many people who want to share their information and not a lot of venues for it. So we found ourselves with a really interesting meeting. We had a lot of speakers, probably I would say too many, <laughs> but it was very exciting. And this year, the, for the fourth meeting, we have just a great array of wonderful speakers, including people who coming coming from Europe. We have four speakers coming from Europe. Really? And they're going to talk about things that don't get done here mm-hmm. but could. You know, a lot of times the FDA has approved things that aren't being used. If one thing, for example, is what they call hyperthermia, which is the heating of the body while you're getting treatment. It allows you to have less chemotherapy or less radiation therapy. Oh, I like Unfortunately, that. with our yeah, our current <laughs> system though is set up that uh, there isn't a really strong motivation to do less. You know, in Europe, they're always seeing to do less because they have a healthcare system that makes sense, and we don't. And because of that, you know, no one really takes responsibility here for what things cost. Right, because it costs different, you know, it's kind of crazy that it costs me, like, for her septum shot, $3,000 and my insurance pays for it while somebody else that I know had it, and it only, they only cover half or whatever. Well, and in Europe, when they tested her septum, they did a nine-week trial, and they discovered that nine weeks was very effective. We do a year. Right. 
we have no no encouragement to do less. So they do. Anyway, so that's the point of the conference is that it's talking about things that we just don't get to find out about enough, and yet they're really important stuff and could make a difference for people. So we're going to have, as we always do, we have something from the complementary world. We have mm-hmm. something from the alternative world. We have something from, you know, a lot of different kinds of resources that people can incorporate in any stage. They can be in survivorship. They can just be starting out. They can be um, long-term. They can be, you know, in any category, we have something that will be helpful for people. So the speakers, we have a, a, a guy who runs a clinic in Mexico, and he's going to talk about his protocol. Very, very popular. He's actually coming back by popular demand. Oh, excellent. <laughs> yeah, he spoke last year. And uh, and we have um, uh, my Chinese doctor, which is really cool, I think, and lots of people are excited because, like I said, he's going to do free consults with people which is great. And we have Dr. Ralph Moss, who's very well known in the field. He's been talking about cancer clinics worldwide for years, and he visits them and tells people what he discovered. Um, and we have Dr. Christine Horner, who wrote a book for breast cancer. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Waking the Warrior Goddess. A lot of different interesting um, you know, people who are going to be sharing their expertise with us. And, and, and I imagine your uh, conference fills up pretty quickly. Well, it's, you know, it's it's very unique. Mm-hmm. It's just very, very few meetings like it. It's only $159 for the two and a half days. We mm-hmm. serve only organic food, which is just a great little um, advantage for people. And as one of our volunteers pointed out, if you eat organic food, it helps you to detox. So even though it's only a couple of days, people actually get the start of a detox, right. which is cool. And, um, you know, and that's very desirable. Uh, we have um, two doctors who are going to concentrate on gynecological cancer, oh, someone who's mm-hmm. using vitamin C IV with a, a clinically approved trial from the FDA, and she's going to talk about her results, which should be fascinating. Um, and we have uh, researchers who are going to present their research. We have an, a naturopathic physician who is also oh, a breast cancer survivor. She's going to talk about what she does. And she, you know, she's calling it an integrative approach to fight cancer. Mm-hmm. We have someone who's going to talk about the value of mushroom therapy. Someone's going to talk about insulin potentiation therapy. Uh, it's just, you know, goes on. We have someone talking about electrical properties that can be used to fight cancer. The therapeutic implications. Wow, uh, it, All these... it's very, very broad. <laughs> we have a free <laughs> yoga workshop and a free qigong workshop. And like I said, organic food. And, and if people see our, go to our site, they can see the video that was created by the people who were at the conference last year. And everybody reports on the, the food. They love the food. It's really delicious and amazing and very fresh. And the thing is, we have to close the registration February 20th because mm-hmm. we have to start ordering the organic food. Oh, so I love people it. have to get on it if they're interested in being part of it. Mm-hmm. They have to you know, take action pretty quickly. And also, they could, if they listen to this podcast afterwards, they can definitely mark it on their calendar for next year. Yes, and we probably will have DVDs, and we certainly have oh, CDs excellent. available, so awesome. people can uh, catch up. And we'll, you know, we'll try and show the slides this year and make it very um, uh, in- encompassing, so people can really hear, get a notion of what happened. Well, I'm impressed that your site has both uh, regular, normal therapy, like chemotherapy and everything and alternative because a lot of times it's either one or the other. Yeah, you know. that's been a, a terrible situation that patients are caught in between and mm-hmm. I've always hated that idea. 
Yeah. It's really, it should be about us, not about anything else. Of course. But unfortunately, there's been a big fight all these years between the groups, and it's absurd. I know. And if something saves somebody's life, then what difference does it make if it's a mushroom or a drug? You know? Right. Right. I mean, that's the main thing that we're all here. And, you know, you're empowering people to find out more about different treatments that they might not find elsewhere. I mean, you know, your main hospital most likely won't have your mushroom therapy or talk about the other therapies that sound so amazing. They, that'll be at your conference in March. Right. That's true in general. You know, but a place like um, um, MD Anderson mm-hmm. has been very strong oh, in yeah. integrative cancer care, and that's really cool. And um, they're, you know, they're leading the way, really. And I think that's the way of the future, and it's patient-driven. You know, the fact right. that there are, um, that there is such a strong interest in integrative care is is to our total benefit and can only help patients to get the right treatment. And, you know, we don't tell people do what Anne Fonfa did. We say, well, you know, yes. make an informed decision for yourself. And whatever that is, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. It's the right decision because people used their, you know, their mind, their brain power to get right. to the right place. <laughs> and and I think that's the difference between the current generation and, let's say, my father's generation. I mean, my mm-hmm. father told me many, many times, well, my doctor didn't tell me that. I said, Dad, you know, there are things that your doctor may not yet have heard about. And this was even conventional treatment, and he still wouldn't do it because right. his doctor right. didn't tell him about it. Well, and I the, don't well, think... The, and, and the other thing is I think a lot of people like you and I are telling patients that they need to be more empowered that they need to start asking questions and maybe, you know, look on websites like yours and find these questions, you know, and ask questions and get answers from doctors and other places before they make their decision on chemotherapy or alternative or complementary therapy. Well, wouldn't it be great if we could go back two years later and make a change? Ah, yes. <laughs> I've thought of that so many times because, you know, there's so many things I would do differently, and everyone I know feels that way. It's just you don't, even get, you don't even know what planet you're on until, you know, a couple of years later, and it's mm-hmm. a real it's a shame. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there's always complaint in, the, in the, um, the world of medicine that there aren't enough people on clinical trials. And I keep saying, you know, if only we could go back and do it over, lots of people would get into clinical trials. You know, they, they know what it is. But in the beginning, you don't know anything, and everything's scary, and you have to make decisions without much knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have our site. You know, you can get more information and do a little bit better when you pay attention to what, you know, groups like ours are doing. Exactly. So if people want to get a hold of you and check out uh, check out more about the conference going on in March. Sorry, a little chemo brain going on there. Um, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, but I'm getting older, too. Yes, well, we're, we're, our website is annieappleseedproject.org, mm-hmm. and that website, you can just click on the email. We answer all our emails as quickly as we can. And we're very dedicated to trying to find answers for people. So we don't give people, um, what we give is what we call information. Right. So we will show you how to find information that you're seeking. And we're, you know, we're very happy to do that. It's, it's our joy to, to make it happen for people. Right, because in the end, it's the patient that has to make the decision, whether it's off of your website or someone else's. You know, Absolutely. you're not pointing the finger and saying, this is what you should do. Well, and, you know, years ago, my mother said to me, why don't you do what works? And I go, Mom, the minute I know that, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'd have a million dollars if I knew it worked. <laughs> right. Well, no one knows. That's the thing. We're all guessing. And, you know, mm-hmm. they, so they call it the practice of medicine, all joking aside. It right. really is. We don't know. And so we have to make the best judgment of the moment. But I think the best judgment is always getting more information and making a judgment based on information, not, you know, information, what do they say, knowledge is power. And that's really true. Exactly. 
Well, Anne, I want to thank you for joining us today. Definitely, if you're available to go, it's the fourth annual evidence-based conference. Am I saying that right? Because I know it's March. Yes. Uh, it's March 3rd through the 5th, and that's in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I imagine since I'm in Michigan... It's gorgeous there right now. So, Well, I can tell you right now that the temperature outside is 80 degrees. So, yeah, it's Thanks. very nice. Thanks a lot for that, Anne. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Hold on. I'm going to wrap up like I usually do. This is The Cancer Warrior. You can always find me on Facebook because I am a Facebook junkie. Mel Majoros. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, The Cancer Warrior, on EmpowerRadio.com. Check out my website, TheCancerWarrior.net. And you know what? Life looks pretty good from where I'm sitting. Sending you good vibes. It's The Cancer Warrior on EmpowerRadio.com.